Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. One, two, three, four! People do feel very radically different about gender experience. I mean, that's just like the rules of feminism. That diversity is like the number one thing I think that has to be reckoned with. Agenda with women in the arts. You're listening to Women in the Arts. I'm Isabel Hawthorburn and I'll be with you for the next half an hour. Unfortunately, I'm without Katie this morning, but I'm so excited to be joined by performer Angela Goh and curator Matt Cornell to have a chat about PAX Salon this um, this evening, The Big Bounce. Um, and it's happening at PACT in Erskineville, so we'll be chatting to them about that. Coming up in the next 10 minutes, but before that, we have a very dystopian feminist future program for you. I'll be talking about the future of sex dolls, which is, you guessed it, sex robots. The $30 billion sex tech industry is about to un- unveil its biggest blockbuster, which is a $15,000 robot companion. So it's pretty cheap. It talks, it learns, and most importantly, it never says no. And in other news, you might have seen some pretty incredible images this week of baby lambs. Um, they're kind of floating in what looks like uh, plastic bags, basically. So um Surgeons and neonatologists at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia have created an artificial womb that has successfully grown eight fetal lambs for over four weeks. And so for a lamb's gestation period, that's pretty massive. And while, the, uh, while inside these um, plastic bags, the lambs have opened their eyes, they have um, shown normal breathing and swallowing movements, and they've even grown wool, which is really cute and kind of creepy. Um, But the technology has implications for humans and understandably people are really excited about it. So the group hopes to test the device on very premature babies within the next three to five years. A normal pregnancy um, lasts for about 40 weeks and so a human device would be designed um, for those born, those babies born between 23 and 24 weeks into the pregnancy. So only half of such babies survive, and of those, about 90% suffer from severe complications. So um, this is going to... So we're in America, so this is, a lot of the data is coming from America, and about 30,000 babies are born earlier than 26 weeks. So this is a huge amount of children that will, you know, be able to live um, and live quite healthily um, should this... Uh, technology be used on humans. Um, The reason we're talking about it on agenda, though, um, is not because it's a women's issue. After all, not all women have uteruses. Instead, we're looking at the idea of an artificial womb as it relates to reproductive freedoms. So just a heads up, this is going to be a very science fiction heavy uh, episode. As I said, Katie's not here today, so I'd love your help in unpacking this issue. I've watched way too many really bad science fiction films, so... I'm going to go down a rabbit hole, I think. So I'd really love your input. Are you excited about this breakthrough or does this current rhetoric, uh, does the current rhetoric and policy around reproductive rights make you feel a little bit ambivalent about going all minority report on your own pregnancy? I'd love to hear your thoughts. 0409-945-945. While you're thinking about it, I'm going to play you a track by the wonderful star Amarasu. She's in town this evening, all the way from Oakland, California, and her first on her first Australian East Coast tour. You can catch her at the Red Rattler tonight, and if you um, you can also listen back to her interview with Kings and Queens on Up For It this past Thursday on FBI uh, FBIRadio.com, and and I'll put a link up to to that interview in our show page as well. Right now, though, this is 
a really beautiful song by Star. This is Rebecca. listening to Agenda on FBI 94.5 that was Rebecca um, from Star Amorosa, such a beautiful track and you can actually check her out this evening at the Red Rattler, I'll pop up the um, details for that on our show page 
In the next few minutes, we'll be joined uh, in the studio by curator Matt Cornell and experimental dance practitioner Angela Goh to talk about their event, also happening this evening at Pact in Erskineville. So it's going to be a really exciting weekend. Um, and I wanted to hear, before we talk about all those nice things that are happening, I wanted to hear about your thoughts on the new artificial womb that's being trialled on lamb fetuses at the moment in Philadelphia. Um, but very soon, in the next three to five years, they're going to be rolled out potentially to human fetuses. Um, and obviously that has huge implications for um, for humans, for women, uh, and for reproductive freedoms. So I wanted to know if you're excited about this breakthrough um, or it's making you think of Brave New World and the kind of Gattaca-like future. Um, as I said, it's only in about three to five years. So let me know your thoughts, 0409-945-945. And this technology... Um, hasn't been trialled on humans yet, but some t- scientists are concerned that if it if it does work and it d- is rolled out, this could blur the lines between a fetus and a baby. And this is already a very blurry area. Um, up until now in Australia, we have very complicated and arguably, arguably very flawed um, abortion laws. But as it stands, we're either born or not born under the law. So this is um, this would be halfway born or something like that. And this is... Um, something to think about in terms of our abortion politics um, because this technology will eventually be taken further. Scientists are already talking, uh, are keeping embryos alive in their labs longer than ever before and trying to create human sperm, eggs and even embryo-like entities out of stem cells. So we're already on our way uh, to a very complicated future. Uh, One group recently created an artificial version of the female reproductive system in a lab as well. So some bioethicists warned that this tech could be used coercively. And I think that's the most interesting thing to think about on agenda. Um, States could theoretically, and I think they're speaking from an American perspective, but obviously this has implications for us in Australia as well. States could theoretically require women getting abortions to put their fetuses into artificial wombs, which is a terrifying thought. Employers could also um, require female employees to start to, to use artificial wombs to avoid maternity leave. And this, to me, seems very plausible. It's already being incentivized for women to um, freeze their eggs. So this idea of completely outsourcing a pregnancy to lower cost for companies is very realistic. Um, and insurers could also require the use of device to avoid costly and complicated pregnancies and deli- deliveries. Um, And obviously insurance companies are very good at keeping their costs low. So that's a very real possibility for the future. So the implications are so far reaching, um, but I should note that um, the scientists that are working on this trial have no um, intention of, um, of, with the technology of extending the limits um, of viability further back than the 23 weeks that they're talking about at the moment. Um, they said that if they were to do so, it would open a whole new can of worms, um, which I think is funny. Speaking of a new uh, of a can of worms, on the other side of America, in a very different branch of science, the $30 billion sex tech industry is about to unveil its biggest blockbuster, a $15,000 robot companion. And I think the poetics of these two stories coming out this week is a little bit beautiful and terrifying. The robotic sex doll is the result of convergent technologies, voice and facial recognition software, motion sensing technology and animatronic engineering can be combined to create dolls that give you a warm smiling welcome when you come home, entertain you with snappy conversation and they're always available for sex. Uh, Similar to the arguments made for more controversial pornography, 
The developers argue that this technology can have therapeutic benefits. Uh, they say that many, um, many who would otherwise have become social misfits, social outcasts, or even worse, which I think is like very euphemistic, um, will instead be better balanced human beings. We haven't done um, a show on pornography on agenda, but I think it's something that is really complicated um, and the data is very mixed on it uh, in terms of the costs and benefits to all genders and the se- their sexual health and well-being. Having said that, this idea of the sex robot is very old news in terms of kind of humankind. We've been obsessed with um, different iterations of the sex robot. Um, the earliest precursor was probably Galatea, the ivory statue created by Pygmalion in Greek mythology. Ovid's um, Metamorphosis describes how Pygmalion was disgusted by real women but carved a sculpture of the perfect female so beautiful and lifelike that he fell in love with it and brought it to life with a kiss. And I feel like despite the potential therapeutic benefits of the sex robot and the opportunities it presents in relieving loneliness, there is definitely something Pygmalion about this entire industry. And if you watch some of the interviews with the developers, there is this general distaste for women or specifically women that say no, and that's probably has something to do with rejection, I imagine. Um, but these two stories point towards a kind of female-free future, um, which I think is one way of solving the gender inequality um, that we're experiencing at the moment. But on a more positive note, um, online pornography pushed the growth of the internet, transforming it from a military invention used by, this is according to The Guardian, by the way, used by geeks and academics to a global phenomenon. So there are some exciting implications for a kind of potentially flawed or at least problematic industry that could push other industries um, to innovate and with some really exciting um, results potentially. Um, it's a little bit frightening, um, but I'm very excited. For the next 10 minutes, we're going to be talking with Angela Go and Matt Cornell about the very cool event happening at PACT. Before that, I'm going to play you a an oldie by Shamir. This is Hot Mess. Whatever happened to what part is? Versace. How about Hugo Mittens? Or Elijah Smith? Or Alphonse Decree? And Teddy Pasta? The straight hair Rasta? With the bone straight weave that'll bring you to your knees? Assuming they're all hot messes like me. Mm. Who knows? Can I have a drink? No one thing Cause my own 
you are listening to FBI Are You on Agenda? And we're joined now by curator Matt Cornell and performance artist Angela Goh and extra special surprise guest Cesar Snell. Very excited. Matt's just picked her up from the airport, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so she's joining us in the studio now too. Um, and they're talking about Pac Salon, which is happening, the big bounce. Okay, I've done that in the completely weirdest <laughs> order ever. Pac Salon, the big bounce, happening at 6 p.m. at Pac in Tonight. Erskineville yes. this evening. So, Matt, you're the curator of tonight's event. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the idea behind the Big Bounce? Uh, the idea is that dancing is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and how can I get the most inspiring people who, who are making space for it, either in their bodies or in their practice or in their communities or in the world? Uh, how can I get them together and have an evening where people can come and experience all the different ways that they can access dancing? Okay, and so the kind of that access to dancing is something that you're interested in. Do you feel like it is something that maybe is siloed in terms of like the dance community or performance community, or do you think there's kind of, because it is nonverbal, there is a kind yeah. of good ends for people I that hope, maybe don't have that language? Uh, yeah, I hope that it's less siloed. Mm-hmm. Actually, I hope that. Um, I mean, that's why Cezo's on board. I hope that when the beat drops, then it doesn't matter that mm-hmm. there is a movement that you are compelled to do and you do that with other people and then any silos disintegrate. Amazing. Well, Angela, I was going to ask you how your practice fits into the remit of Matt's kind of curatorial project, but it sounds pretty broad and pretty exciting, so hopefully... You have a lot of breadth to kind of explore some of the ideas that you've been working on because you've um, performed at Pact in the past. Uh, yeah, I have. Um, so the performance that I'm going to do as part of this Pact Salon, The Big Bounce, um, is a project that's sort of been ongoing since 2014. Um, it's called Predictable Dances, and it's a project for which each performance I hire the services of a professional psychic and she tells me what will happen and then I make it happen during the performance. Um, So it's sort of uh, less to do about uh, any particular belief systems or um, whether you're cynical or not of psychic abilities and more to do with the fact that um, for to open a way to be with dance um, with uh, sort of removed from the desires of a choreographer or a dancer and sort of just to like make destiny or something or it's like one step further than kind of chance operations which is like made famous by Cage and Cunningham and sort of every professional dancer has gone through some process of well maybe some process (laughs) of (laughs) I don't want to talk too generally um some process of like using chance and this is a project that kind of like goes one step further and turns chance into fate so that um it's like that we don't have to justify <coughs> what this dance is, but it opens a space to just be with it for for a dance to um, fulfill its own destiny. And what is that to be with dance in that way rather than to be using it for a particular reason? Right. And in terms, so you've been working on this for a few years now. Is it still exciting for you? Do you still are you surprised sometimes by the direction that it takes? Or yeah, totally. Um, it's really exciting this time around to do it because um, it's been happening around. Europe uh, with a project called Gallery International and so um, there's been two other performers performing the work um, in 
uh, where was it? Um, in Brussels and Copenhagen and Paris earlier in the year. Um, so I feel like it's been very present in my life, but it hasn't been me performing it. So now it's really exciting to come back to it and be able to perform um, it myself because it's sort of such a nice project to do. It's it's so like fun to do because there isn't any worry, like nothing can go wrong because it's yeah. been prophesized. Yeah, right. Oh, that's so <laughs> and beautiful. And it doesn't, like I don't have to explain it to anyone. It's just like, just because. Yeah, right. And what else can we talk about um, other than like, why did you choose to do that? Or what does that mean? Um, yeah, so it's still exciting and like it's exciting every time I see the psychic because that's also such a nice experience mm. um, and she kind of like goes in ebbs and flows of um, different things and different like being creative or not sure. or yeah, so it's definitely it's still exciting every time. Amazing. And this is like a total sidebar, but I was listening to, um, there's a book that's just come out called There Are More Beautiful Things Than Beyonce. I think that's the title. And she talks about writing poetry that have very specific timestamps on them because she's talking about Beyonce a lot of the time. And I was thinking it reminded me of some of the things that you've talked about in the past about uh, time and dating in terms of like sneakers and things like that. Is, some, is that still something that you're thinking about or have you moved past that? I was just thinking of that un-magazine oh, yeah. thing. That I thought was, that was yeah. really interesting. Um, wow, I haven't thought about that. Okay, sorry, I totally threw you <laughs> No, it's still totally relevant because, um, like, yeah, it, and I can't even remember what that was about. It was like someone made a comment on a work being like, yeah, but, you know, the sneakers will go out of fashion, but dance will never go out of fashion or something like that. Can I just quote you? Because yeah, okay. I think it's really beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> the body itself can age but not date, and dance can date but not age. Oh, yeah. Right. That is like, <laughs> nice so line. beautiful. Oh, profound. Like, very beautiful. Aphorism. Um, <laughs> you can tweet it. <laughs> so, so, so maybe you can talk a little bit about that yeah. as well in terms of like DJing and what that. Yeah. Um, um, Angie's uh, process there and her thoughts behind that, I think, are really similar to my own like philosophies about like the what dance culture is um, and what de- the role of a DJ in that because. I think this using a psychic um, in your performance is a really great device where it um, sort of stops people from worrying about interpreting what's going on if you already enlist that there is some kind of fate that's about to unfold. And in that sense, it like forces people to focus on a more like direct relation with the world rather than interpreting it, which to me is what like dance can do. And in terms of like a dance party, um, I feel like it's no coincidence that a lot of like club culture has been born out of like oppression and revolution. So, you know, out of the rubble of Berlin and now we have, it's like, you know, a major center for clubs and techno music and then um, dance music coming out of queer culture, uh, a lot of, um, you know, block parties and black communities, um, raves evolving out of Thatcher, England. I don't think it's any coincidence. And what I think happens in a dance party um, is like you have uh, unity. So the DJ brings together people with music, um, but we're all involved in our own in- individual activity. And I feel like that's like a drive um, for like a search for knowledge that comes from direct reference to just yourself or your body um, rather than from some kind of external authority. And yeah, right. I feel like 
yeah it's and like it's an attempt like, to free yourself mm, yeah and I think because it's so it sounds like it's like precognitive or something exactly it's, like, yeah, it's really exciting I've never thought about that in that way yeah in terms of the role of the DJ totally congratulations Matt this is like incredible <laughs> yeah yeah I'm excited I'm really excited about it <laughs> um so it's kicking off at 6 p.m at Are 6 p.m you rock up and you'll get given some tools mm-hmm. by Vanessa Marion uh in one of her now famous sessions called Groove Therapy so you don't learn a routine, but hopefully you learn, if you feel like you don't know how to dance, you just learn one or two little tricks. So cool, that's me. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. So you rock up and you do that for an hour and then there's a free barbecue. Ah, Yeah, amazing. because dancing and then hungry. And then you hang out and you <laughs> chat and then we rock back in and then we'll watch uh, Adam Warburton's performance called Our House and then we'll watch Angela Goh's performance, Predictable Dancers. And then we're going to have a forum so you can hear all of this crazy intelligent d- thought that's going on behind it like a uh, Richard Feynman has this really beautiful video on YouTube where he speaks about an artist giving him a hard time not being able to see the true beauty of a flower because he's a scientist and he just dissects it and he talks about actually when you go deeper into something there are more layers of beauty to be had and then you can see things in relationship with other things um and that opens up more questions and more wonder and more awe. And that state of awe, I think, is what I hope that we're all in um, when we get to the dancing part of the evening that Sarah's going to facilitate for us. Amazing. This sounds really, really cool. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but I'm really looking forward to checking it out tonight. Um, I'm going to leave you with another track by Amara Su. Um, this is called Klonopin. Thank you so much, guys. I'm really excited to check it out tonight. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. You got 